Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. The reality is, they don't. If you got to keep asking yourself the question of whether or not we got a franchise quarterback. In year four or five, yeah. Year four, the answer is no. And Bill Parcells used to always say this about potential. It just means you hadn't done it yet. And when you look at Daniel Jones, he hadn't been able to stay healthy any of the three seasons that he's played for the Giants for the entirety of the season. And he's a quarterback that has 50 total touchdowns to 49 total turnovers. So you guys tell me, is that good enough in today's NFL when you got guys like Joe, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson? Is that good enough? I mean, probably not. not. Hey, Brent, is that good enough? Uh, I just knew it was going to be Chris Canty. I was getting excited. Mm. <laughs> mm. Is that good enough? Is that good enough, Brent? I guess. It is? Not. Okay. Yeah. Casey, is that good enough? I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. Yep. Hello? Brent, you there? Hey, yeah, yeah. I thought I was popping out there for a second, so I was letting you guys go. But uh, um, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> okay. We decided it's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, we as a team. all we've established in this segment so far is that Daniel Jones, it's not good enough. And that's maybe yeah, why they could trade up to number one enough. in that mock draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. And the question is, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, are they good enough? Yeah. Um, that's a different story. So, um, Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, uh, we are heading back from the NFL owners meetings, by the way. So, uh, again, uh, occasionally we get bumped out here on the roadways back through what we're doing. Fantastic job driving. Um, but uh, we are heading back on, on 95 while we host the show today. And a big story in the last hour that's got fans uh, certainly up in arms. Uh, Shad Khan, Jaguars owner, saying in an article about the Buffalo Bills' new stadium. And um, the, the quote is this, so let me make sure I get it right. He says, this is the Bills, by the way, this new proposal, you might have seen it today, about the financing, and it's like a $1.4 billion stadium. And, and obviously the folks up in Buffalo are asking different owners about the situation, and this is what is quoted by Shad Khan says, quote, this makes the experience comparable to what the other stadiums are around the league. It raises the bar for all the smaller market teams. It's aspirational, but fans expect a lot from their game day experience now. I've admired the Bills Mafia. When you have a passionate fan base like that, which is national, and you go to these other stadiums, you come back and want the same experience for your home team. Hmm. What did you catch there, guys? Because I don't think fans... Are, are looking at this and saying, oh, yeah, I agree. They look at this as saying we're not a national fan base and maybe not strong enough or good enough yet to get a new stadium. We have to do better. Is is I feel like that's the interpretation from the fans. I want to see your interpretation. I'm not sure I'm interpreting it that way, but I'll explain that part in a bit. What's your interpretation, guys? Uh, Casey, you want to go first? Sure. Um to be honest, I, I don't know why. I'm not offended, I guess. Um, I just think he wants the fans to travel, which I think the Jags fans do travel well. But, like, 
I don't know. Like, I'm not sitting here upset about what he said. Maybe I'm not thinking about it hard enough, or maybe I'm editing video, one of the two. <laughs> but um, I just, I, I, I'm not offended by it, but I'm sure someone can persuade me into being mad at it because, you know, I, I like to be mad at things. Okay, so here's where I'm coming from with this. Whenever I hear Shad Khan talk about a fan base, immediately go back to viability, right? Because that's that, – is that the word viability? Yeah. That's yeah, the that's, 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 that's the word that got time. everybody's attention. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So wh I take away, I've admired the Bills Mafia. When you have a passionate fan base like that, which is national, and you go to other stadiums, you come back, and you want the same experience for your home team. So he mentions the home team, and he's trying to compare the home team to Bills Mafia. The problem with that, though, is I'm going to be honest. I spent five years in the NFL. Okay, when I played, Bills Mafia wasn't a thing. When we traveled to Buffalo, I've been there three times. When we traveled to Buffalo, we weren't worried about the Bills Mafia having the home field advantage. And do you know why that is? It's because the Bills Mafia, they were not winning. In 2017, the Bills Mafia made an appearance. Why? Because they went to the playoffs for the first time in how long? Right? And all of a sudden, tables are getting smashed. And all of a sudden, fan bases, you know, we're respecting the Bills Mafia because they're winning again. Like, to me, this comes down to... We don't know what this Jaguars fan base can be because every single year we go to a game, it's like, well, we're not going to the playoffs. I mean, maybe we're going to the playoffs. We're not going to the Super Bowl. Since 2017, every single time a Bills fan goes to a game, they're thinking in their own mind, you know what? This could be the year. This could be the year that we actually go to the Super Bowl and finally win one after so long. That's what Bills fans are thinking. So guess what? Of course they're excited. You had one year in 2017, which turned out to be a fluke. You had a little bit of hope back in 2018. But since when have Jaguars fans went to a home or away game and said, you know what, guys, this is finally going to be the year. This is going to be the year that we go to the Super Bowl. That, has, that conversation hasn't happened in three, four, five years. So it's, it's not even the same thing where it's like you want your fan base to be like the Bills fan base. If you win football games, then it just might be. But until we get to that point, it makes no sense even trying to compare the two. By the way, so uh, I appreciate all this, and, and I think it doesn't read well, okay? But I, I think people are caught up in that last line of saying, I've admired to the Bill, the, the last part of this, I've admired the Bills Mafia. When you have a passionate fan base like that, which is national, you go to these other stadiums, you come back and want the same experience for your home team. And so everybody's uh, like keyed in on the fan part of it. What I think he is trying to say is he wants the stadium part of it and so you wrap it all in together and if you go to the top part of this he said this makes the experience comparable to what the other stadiums are around the league it also raises the bar for smaller market teams so there's two things there this is what is comparable around the league this raises the bar for for small market teams and then he talks about the fan base and so i think this last part of this quote is saying you come back and want the same experience for your home team, I think he's really referring to the new updated stadium more so than the fan part of it. But I think it doesn't read well at all, and I think it's wrapped all together. I don't, inter I don't think he's trying to hammer the fans here. I really don't. I don't think that's the – I think it comes off like that because it's all in that same breath. But I think he's talking about the stadium that he wants for the fans in a small market that's comparable to the rest of the league, which, by the way, the Jags are on the horizon in the next probably five to eight years of putting together these kind of plans for a stadium. So, I, I don't, I listen, we don't know the full context of, of it, but as it reads in the article, 
That was more my interpretation of it, guys, more so than we need a fan base like Buffalo. I think he's trying to say we need a stadium like Buffalo. Okay, so then regardless, if you want to compare yourself to Buffalo Bills, whether he meant the fan base or whether he meant the stadium, the task is simple. Win. And oh, then, well, that's, and, that's and, undeniable. And, and win consistently. I mean, we can speak in th- you know theories all day and say, well, we want this, we want that. That's fine. Then just win. It's simple as that. That's all you got to do. He's got to win. Well, it, absolutely. Listen, and I think that's undeniable. And I think, uh, I think over the years, I think uh, people like even Mark Lamping have mentioned that. We got to do our part on the field. Got to do our part on the field. Um, listen, I think Shad Khan, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, there's been pe- plenty to be critical about over these last four, five, six months. But I, I'm, I'm just, I feel like I've been around Shad well enough to know, too, that he's, I think they're more thankful for the Jags fan base than hammering them in comparison to the Buffalo Bills and saying their fan base is better and that's what we need to be like. But Brent, I think wh- wh- this is a gross like a misinterpretation right now. And again, I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not blaming the fans because it does not read very well. I I get it, but I think this has to. Do, remember the topic in this article. It's about a stadium. It's not about the fan base. But what are we talking about here? Because the only time Shad Khan has talked has been what? About viability. Has been what? About playing two games in London, questioning the fan base. Like, th- that's all fans have to go off of. So when, when you murk the waters a little bit and say, is it the stadium or is it the fans? Like, I get the standpoint of people are frustrated because that's all they have to go off of. You know, the, the past is prologue. And all you have to go off of is a guy who's kind of called the fan base a little bit, who has had two games in London who has made it obviously about money, which any owner would, but the fans know about that as well. So maybe he is talking about the stadium, and maybe it's got nothing to do with the fan base, but I'm just saying due to prior comments, due to prior history, I can see where people are coming from getting frustrated just because that's kind of all they've ever known here the past five, six years. Yeah, and and by the way, I don't, again, I'm not trying to blame the fans here. I see the interpretation of that. I get what, why they would interpret that way, especially given the way this just a single quote is, is read. And if you're just jumping in again, I'll read you the quote because I think, and I don't know if it sounds any better out loud than it does if you're just reading it. Sometimes that does make a difference. Sometimes it doesn't. But here's the quote in The Athletic. Again, this is about the Buffalo Bills Stadium, and this is what he's being asked about. And I think, and, and Sean, I'm, I can't tell you he's doing a good job with this quote because I think he's trying to give a compliment to the Bills and their fan base, but mixes it in with his thoughts about the stadium. So here's what he says. This makes the experience comparable to what the other stadiums are around the league. It raises the bar for all the smaller market teams. It's aspirational, but fans expect a lot from their game day experience now. I've admired the Bills Mafia when you have a passionate fan base like that, which is national, and you go to these other stadiums and want the same experience for your home team. So, uh, again, if you take out the I've admired the Bills Mafia when you have a passionate fan base like that and read it, it sounds like he's talking about the stadium all in one. I think he tries to throw him a compliment in the middle of it, and then it seems like he's dogging on the Jags fans a little bit. Well, Um, That's my interpretation of it. But once again, where does admiration come from? Because a decade ago, nobody was talking about the Bills Mafia. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, the, the 12 in Seattle was a thing for a while. No one's talking about the 12 anymore. You know why? Because they're not winning anymore. Like, you, you can sit here and have admiration for all these franchises. You can have admiration for Green Bay. That's fine. They're great fans. You know why? Because they win. 
Wait till Aaron Rodgers leaves. Wait till the Green Bay Packers go back down to mediocre, which is, hasn't happened, it feels like, in the past three decades. But wait till that happens and talk to him about how that fan base is going to be. It's, it's any fan base in the NFL. When your team is winning, you're going to have a good environment. You're going to have people buying in. You're going to have people spending money. When those people aren't winning, then they're not going to buy in. They're not going to spend money. It's as simple as that. Like, to me, it shouldn't have to be that complicated. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's a it's a tough quote to read. I, I just again, I don't think it reads well. I do interpret it differently than the fan is interpreting. I think I know what Chad's trying to say here. Not meaning I'm hammering the fan, uh, but it doesn't come across great. It doesn't. And and there are instances in the past with the London games, and like you mentioned, the word viability has been a big one here in Jacksonville. So uh, you know, this is just a, another cause for a little rift here in the fan base and the front office and, and ownership uh, right now in Jacksonville. Uh, and quite honestly, the guy in the middle of all this rift is is Doug Peterson. He walks into a firestorm when it comes to what Urban Meyer did, what the Jags have been, and he's got to try to fix and, and help and, and um, you know, get this organization to a place where they want to be. Earlier today at the NFL owners meetings, I caught up with Doug Peterson about a myriad of topics, including the culture inside the building. What is unveiled in the league this offseason? You guys spending a bunch of money, but the rest of the league, I mean, has it been eye-popping for someone who's been around this NFL for decades now to see all the movement? Yeah, it, it is pretty, uh, you know, eye-popping. But it just tells you, too, like, the, uh, the the health of the league right now and, and the way the salary cap is going and the way these teams, you know, um, the money that they can spend and then we're you know we're in that boat too so uh, we're just excited the guys we were able to sign uh, they were all targets of ours and, and uh, we were able to get them and, and uh, looking forward to getting them in the building. How much is it improving your own roster your football team but also trying to gain ground on everybody else you know where this football team and franchise has been the last couple of years. Right and, that, and that's the thing we're trying to flip right is, is, is get back to where this team was in 17 you know playing for the AFC championship and, and uh, you know being back there we don't ever want to pick one overall many many times if ever again um you know but at the same time we, we know too that we have to build through the draft you know that's that's a key component because those are your guys right uh free agency can help you fill in some pieces which it, which it did this year and we're excited to get these guys in but at the same time now we can we can turn our attention to the draft and, and really uh, hone in on some guys that are going to be hopefully Jaguars for, for many years. We can look at the puzzle pieces you created in free agency and kind of see where you might lean at number one. Do you guys feel pretty good a month away from the draft at what you're going to do? at number one yeah i mean it's still ongoing obviously we're we're a month away uh we have some great conversations great dialogue not only with scouts but with trent myself and and the staff and and really you know um really hone it down to where to where we can you know uh, make a good decision at one if, if if we stay at one i mean there's always that that possibility too we're always listening to you know to offers and and and, and all of that so um but it's a it's it's a it's a unique process. Um, it's a great process. Uh, every team's going through it right now, getting ready for that that first round, and and ultimately, you know, we get to kick things off. Drafts change every year. Do you think you have potential stars there that you could take at that top spot? Yeah, you know, every year, my five years in Philly, um, it's like the draft changed every year by position. You know, who who's going to be the group this year? Um, you know, and, and again, you have to look at your own roster and, and really. You know, you make decisions based on your own roster, not what public opinion might state. And 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 so, when you study it and you look at it again, you make those decisions based on based on the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and what we need.
a lot of questions about Trevor in there, of course, and he's been such a focal point over the last year of the organization. Uh, we saw plays that, although sometimes it was struggling last season, that we just hadn't seen around here out of a quarterback. Do you see still that guy that was labeled as this extreme talent coming into the league? I do, I do. And, you know, that's... You just put on the put on the game film, and there, there's those flashes. There's those moments where you just go, "Wow, that was a great throw. That was a great run. Great decision." Um, you know, and then listen, it was a rookie season, so there's going to be mistakes. And and now it's our job is to is to fix, is to correct, is to teach, uh, and to get him going in the right direction and be the quarterback that we know he can be. How much now that you have some of this on paper with the additions? Are you playing out on a car ride down here or a flight somewhere else what your offense is going to look like? Are you starting to, at least in your mind, put that together, how you want to utilize players like we haven't even seen, like a guy like Travis Etienne and these new weapons? Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about it is that the exciting part is there are some there's some pieces even on the roster from a year ago that, that we really haven't seen, as you mentioned, Travis and, and some of these guys. And, you know, um, obviously adding the, the, the free agents that we added and, and, and then, of course, the draft picks coming up here in a month and just... Yeah, you sit there, you know, driving flights and even in the office and you're you're watching tape and you're just kind of, okay, maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that, do this with that guy, do this with that guy, you know, and, and really, I think, start painting a picture as to, as to who you want to be. Um, ultimately, it's not until the players come in and you decide, you know, uh, the direction that you want to go, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to fantasize a little bit with some of the pieces you have. You guys have this practice facility, performance facility that you're building. Um, that's exciting. But it also throws you all out of whack this upcoming season. How uh, much of a puzzle is that for you as a coach? Where are you going to practice? When are you going to practice? Plus the new training camp. Yeah. Um, well, not training camp, but the extra game because of the Hall of Fame. How much is that a puzzle piece for you? It's a little bit, you know, but, you know, I've had great help in assisting where we're going to be. Um, obviously, the, the offseason is going to be good because we can use the stadium and we can use the indoor right there. And um, you know, Training camp will be a little bit of a challenge because we're going to have to bust and do some things that way. But, you know, I've always I've been in this business long enough. You just don't make excuses. It is what it is. You make the most of it. Um, you know, we still have to practice and, and play and, and all of that, but we're just going to make do with what we have to do and, and uh, you know, get the guys ready that way. Seems like every year a lot of people like to practice against others. Do you form those kind of decisions already or maybe at a meeting like this where you're seeing some other guys? Yeah, you know, a lot of those decisions are, I think, made before this, uh, talking to coaches and whatnot. And, and um, you know, right now it looks like we're going to be able to go against Atlanta, uh, up there at Atlanta um, for, for training camp and, and practice against another opponent. So it's always good to be able to, you know, maybe go on the road or, or even have a team come in. Um, but it looks like this year we'll be able to be on the road and, and go to Atlanta and, and uh, practice against them. I think I asked you this question about six weeks ago. What did you feel when you entered the building when you got hired as a coach? Now that you've been in it, what's the response been like um, for your coaching staff, for you, from the players, but from the employees that obviously have endured quite a bit over the last couple of years? It's been a breath of fresh air. It's been it's been a rejuvenation. It's been, um, I think, a weight lifted a little bit, you know, in the building. And, and people are excited, you know, even not just the people in, in the building, but people in the city and the fans. And uh, the, the few chances that I'm out in the community, um, they're all excited, you know, for the upcoming season, the team, you know, and, and that's that's part of the. You, know, I, you hate to call it a rebuild, but it's all part of the building process, putting all the all the pieces together for this coming season. Um, and uh, yeah, baby. Um, it's Mike Vrabel, by the way. Mike Vrabel, yeah. 
Yeah, the opponent, the uh, the enemy. Um, but I think it's all part of the, you know, all, the, all part of the process, and that's why that's why there's an excitement right now. Right, last one for you. Do you feel because of all that a little responsibility more than just hey, I got to get wins, I got to coach football team, I got this franchise quarterback, but I got a building that I need to kind of. I've seen it. Right, what it looks like, what it should be. I think if you just do your job, you stay humble, and, and people see who you are, and you work hard, um, you know, good things are going to happen, and 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 you know, um, and hope, we all hope that that translates into wins, you know, in September and October, and this fall. Beat Tennessee, all right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there it is, Doug Peterson, one-on-one uh, -on -one down at the NFL owners' meetings earlier this morning. By the way, moments later after that conversation, Brandon Linder retired. And uh, he can spend more time fishing now. Let's bring in Captain Rick Riles for a Sportsman Fishing Report. And uh, you might see Brandon Linder on the water a little bit more, Captain Rick. Well, a little hard to miss. You know, you, <laughs> compared to a lot of us, we'll probably know him when we see him. There ain't no doubt about that. But, um, uh, no, he's more than, uh, much more than welcome to come join all of us. We've got the greatest place there is anywhere to be an outdoorsman. We can hunt. We can fish. We can fish freshwater salt water, blue water, it doesn't matter. We've got it, and it's all very, very good in the springtime, it seems like. I just talked with Captain Roger Walker a few minutes ago. He and his old-time buddy Brad Reed were out sheepshead fishing today. They had an excellent day. They had a dozen, but he said they had seven or eight. There were seven-pounders, one that was a ten-pounder. Just some really, really beautiful sheepshead. Out in the blue water, it slowed down a little. Believe it or not, the big boats fished. Uh, during this evil weather we've had, but they were really rewarded. We had uh, one day both Jody Lynn's uh, made it out. They had a half a dozen sailfish between them. They had two limits of tuna. They had wahoo. They had mahi. And then today it really sort of seemed to back off just a little bit. Nothing slow about the surf. If I was going to pick a day for the year 2022 to go surf fishing, it may well be tomorrow. We're going to have light easterly winds. We're going to have clear water, small seas. It's going to be a great day to be on the water. I think tomorrow may set a record, Brent, for the most number of called in sick by fishermen ever recorded Whoa. in northeast Florida. Tomorrow could be the day. How about that? Uh, that's a good one. All right, Captain Rick, we appreciate it, man. Uh, you got it, Brent. You can count on one thing. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon. In fact, tomorrow afternoon we'll be fresh from the water with another fishing report. Brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. Thank you, boys. You bet. Have a good one. Captain Rick Rouse for Sportsman Fishing Report. Uh, we're talking before the Doug Peterson conversation about uh, uh, Chad Khan's comments, and now we're getting a lot of comments about Chad Khan's comments. And, and I didn't think uh, uh, my view of this would be that favorable. I understand. Uh, my view is... I don't think he's meaning to hammer the fan base here. I think he's really talking about the stadium idea and trying to get a stadium uh, for this fan base. And in the middle of it all compliments the Buffalo Bills fan base, which doesn't read well and look good. That's my interpretation of it. Not everybody else's. Let's talk more about it um, and a little bit more about what Doug Peterson said, too, as he tries to build the culture of this organization. How hard is that? Austin's been through these things a couple of times. Uh, but maybe not even to this degree. We'll be back. Football at 5, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 6. You're trying to tell me after all these years of Duke and North Carolina, if anything, you could probably say that Duke-North Carolina probably should have ended with Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski going up against each other anymore. Guess what happened? It didn't end. 
when they brought in Roy Williams? Do you actually think because Coach K, after 42 years of coaching basketball, the majority of Duke, that all of a sudden Duke, North Carolina is going to go by the wayside and Virginia Tech and Syracuse will be the new rivalry in the ACC? I'm not going to criticize anybody's opinion. But this was idiotic, in my opinion, to say that this rivalry is going to end because Coach K is done. That is Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio. Brett Martin along with Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Half hour to go here on a Monday. We had Shock Your Mock Monday, 4 o'clock, by the way. Hope you were able to uh, check that out. If not, you can go back and listen to the podcast, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Subscribe. You can go watch and listen on YouTube, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Subscribe as well. Uh, big story, Shad Khan's comments to a Buffalo reporter about their stadium not being received so well uh, by Jags Nation in the last hour. More on that in just a moment. Uh, quick swoop minute, by the way. Congratulations to the UNF Ospreys. They win the hate Invitational. It's a golf tournament over at Sawgrass Country Club. Last two days, stellar field, by the way. Charlotte, very good golf program. Tennessee, LSU. Shows you how good UNF is. UNF is a... Uh, a national recognized golf program on the men's side and the women's side and the men's team here this weekend wins their own event uh, by one shot a clutch chip on the last hole uh, able to get the job done and secure the win so uh, congratulations to the UNF uh, men's golf team for winning uh, the event at Sawgrass Country Club more news schedules results and where to get tickets to upcoming events on UNF Ospreys Dot com. Also coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, Action Sports Jacks OT, Brian Middleton, Casey Kurtz. Maybe they'll have more on the Shad Khan uh, quote as well. Uh, just to kind of sum up, Austin, uh, I want to stay on this topic a little bit more because we mixed in our Doug Peterson interview. And if you're just jumping in, uh, Shad Khan in a comment to the Buffalo News about their new stadium, uh, the reading of the quote, didn't sound favorable toward Jags fans and Jags fans certainly interpreting it as not favorable and almost as if he was criticizing the Jags fan and I think you bring up a good point it's on the heels whether we want to interpret it differently which I do I, I don't think he was trying to say that but that's not the point it, it doesn't matter so much in this instance what I think it matters what the fans think and how they interpret. And it does come on the heels of even a couple years back, two London games. Uh, years prior to that, viability in Jacksonville. Uh, the presentation of these things for this fan base, as much as it endured, is very important, Austin, right? The perception, how it's said, what is intended to be said. Uh, it's an important thing here in Jacksonville. It's the most important thing. Um it's like I said, I'm not sure what Shad Khan's referring to. Maybe he's referring to the stadium. Maybe he's referring to the fan base. But but at this point, it doesn't really matter because all we have to go off of is what the past has told us, right? And it hasn't been good. So I don't I don't blame the fans if they feel outraged or not. I mean, I read it and I kind of took it the wrong way a little bit because I'm a very like when it comes to when it comes to especially the sport of football that I played, you know, and I kind of understand what's going on. Like, I get it. You want to beat the Buffalo Bills Bills Mafia. Okay. You want to beat the Green Bay Packers. That's fine. But, like, we don't have to go down these roads and say, we want this or we want this. You know, like, let's not get so enthralled in the game day experience because the best game day experience of all is winning football games. 
That's the only game day experience. That should be the only focus on the game day experience. Yeah, it's cool you got pools. Yeah, it's cool you get the, the world's largest scoreboard outside. That's all. That's great, and that's that that gets the the, the media talking. When when people come to town, that's something to point to and say, yeah, we got that. But the ultimate game day experience is just winning. So if you do that, then let's see what happens. You know, if you start winning and the fans don't show up, well, then that's the ultimate litmus test right there, right? Then you can, then you can say, okay, well, they're winning. Where are the fans at? But we've never had that conversation because we haven't won enough. So until we have that conversation, I don't care to be like the Bills, the Packers. The it doesn't matter. Just win and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, listen, win will solve everything, right? Then you can have kind of any conversation in the context of of, of it all. Duval Doom says, uh, then why mention their fan base at all? It's stupid at best and uh, bleep at worst. Um, uh, Johnny also wants me to run a poll, ask which one the fan base wants. Win. Win and they can play in the toxic field next to the river. Mm. Uh, well, uh, winning is important to your point right there, right? Just win, baby. Um, Coach Ripley says uh, A-Train nailed it. He's steady and fucking bleep. Uh, love his billion-dollar baby. He doesn't give two pieces of, you know, what about us, the fans. Otherwise, he'd be committed to winning. It should um, be a drug that he craves. Uh, Wilson says you need to quit defending the man. That's <laughs> He's not stupid and knew exactly what he was saying. <laughs> Wait a second. You know, I mean, so, uh, every, I've been gone for a while, and then time passes, right? And when time passes, sometimes you lose track of friends and everything, and you lose track of those close to you. But every once in a while, a friend or, or a close member shows back up on the doorstep. Casey hit it! Uh-oh. Brent's getting ratioed on Twitter again. It's time to play everybody's favorite game. What Brent should have tweeted. And here's your host, Casey Kurtz. Oh. They're getting you, Brent. They're getting you. Oh, like that old sweater. You know, it just feels right, doesn't it? Brent, go on. It didn't matter that I hammered the organization for six months, built no equity, put a, a stop shot rainbow subs for as, as Brent goes into transformer mode there for a second, we'll get him right back. Obviously, driving back from the coach's convention, lost signal there for a second because Stuart Weber's driving, and Brent is doing He's the show talking, live. talking, by the way. He has no idea. Oh, is he really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. As Stuart Weber's driving back, and Brent's doing the show via sitting shotgun. Um, yeah. You know, Brent, Brent turned over a new leaf a little bit. He went heel for a while. Um, then he came back around and it was very critical of the fan base. I think as any, not a fan base, very critical of, of the, the upper management uh, of the rehiring of or bringing back Trent Balky. So I think, you know, Brent was kind of on the fan base's side a little bit. But let's be honest, Casey, performance-based business. What have you done for me lately? You're only as good as your last play. You're only as good as your last game. And right now... On Twitter, hate to say it, getting a little bit ratioed again. Oh, uh, Casey, the glory days are back. Is Brent back yet or not? No, we're, we're going to break. All right, well, let's go on a break. Brent can regroup a little bit. I can keep on dwelling in his mentions of just, you know, the the rationess, which is now a word that just made it up, uh, that's going on in his mentions. If you want to get, get at him, too, by all means, he plugs it nonstop at Brent A.S. Jacks on Twitter. More on ESPN 690, hopefully we get back here. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible right now. And uh, unfortunately, we're about to hop on a flight, too. So, um, you know, just got to get treatment around the clock, see what happens day to day. But 
He's pretty strong right now. I guess LeBron James scored 38, didn't he, last night? They lost again. Yeah. Did they lose, like, a 23-point lead? It was a bigger one. You know, I was at – Casey, I think I – yeah, I think, Casey, I asked you this the other day. I was like, I feel like the Knicks have lost more big leads than anybody. Well, then I actually saw the stat. It's actually the Sixers have lost more 15-point-plus leads than anybody in the NBA this year. Hmm, jeez. Lakers right now. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Lakers 31-43 and 43 right now. Uh, still in the playoff hunt, though. They're in 10th place, so they're looking good, which is ridiculous, but... <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know, I, I, don't know, I don't know how you can be 31 and 43 We're talking about the playoffs, but here we are. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, let's play more of what Brent should have tweeted around the Shad Khan uh, comments. Uh, the book of AB, AB Kelly 74, who I really like, but sometimes he gets really mad at me, is mad at me again. Uh, yes. More water carrying for Shad, I see. He says crap about the fans all the time, Brent. Can't be the leader every single freaking time. Why are you all so loyal to this guy? Man. I, I don't understand. Like, listen, this this loyalty, I was just an interpretation for me. Like, it's not like I said, he called me up and said, hey, can you say this? What's the loyalty? I just was reading it my way. Hey, I got somebody. Hey, Dan. Dan, go Nats. He says, yeah, there's a ton to be offended by, but I'm not understanding why this quote is setting people off. There you go, Dan. MVP of the day wow. today. So, 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 you. so you're like one for 20? Uh, you're, well, you're shooting 5% right now from the field? I am. Great. Yeah. Well, is, is that matter? Yeah, here comes AB. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like Westbrook. <laughs> and Westbrook shoots yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, but by the way, you, you, you're kind of going on some kind of rant. We didn't hear any of it. Uh, do you, do you want to go back to that ranting and then you're going to go on about how you're getting ratioed or not? Because yeah. you, you, you kind of cut no, out before no, you yeah, got a chance. You guys cleaned that up. Okay. Okay. No, I was just reading tweets, really. I mean, oh, so okay. here it is. A.B. Kelly, 74, he took the time to, to send me two, said shotgun hammers the fans again. Brent comes cleaning it up for everyone. Yeah. Well, what he really said is this. Every time fans don't like what Shot said. Sounds like a really burner account. That's done. great, though. Um... Al Stewart says, uh, I think Shad Khan's letter was a hint, hint to the Jack City Council. Khan's trying to say them improvements I've been talking about, question mark. We do need them. And now we're the odd man out in the league. Let's go. That's how I see it as a fan. Interesting interpretation. More about the stadium than maybe about the fan base. Uh, just win and build the stadium with shade and all will be well. Says I like that person. I am Tone. Who is that? I am and Tone? I think all right. I like that, too. Yep. Uh, so there we go. Uh, this has uh, drawn the attention of Jags fans. It's in the Athletic, by the way, the article, and um, it's really just like a two-line quote mm. that at the owners' meetings today. And my guess, by the way, Shad was not available to us today. Um, I think he did talk to Jaguars.com, and my guess is this was a reporter that kind of just saw him in the hall and, and asked him about the stadium, um, again, you know, in the lobby. And, and kind of just got a quick quote from them as they were doing a story on the, the stadium. I will say this about the stadium, Austin, uh, take away the shod stuff for a moment. Uh, the, the stadium where their bills and, and are, are going to make this happen, it looks like, or at least some point, they got the money. I'm not great about the money stuff, but even the state of New York, uh, I'm sorry, the NFL is chipping in like $200 million, I think. And so the Pagulas are chipping in money, and the state of New York's chipping in money. And so it's coming from a lot of different areas is my point. Yeah. Well, the bigger thing here is 
the Bills and the Jags are the last team. You know, everybody's seen that presentation now the Jags do. They're the last two teams to renovate their stadium in, like, a major way. I think the number is anything over, like, $350 million in renovations. And the Jags and Buffalo are the only teams in the NFL, since the Jags were part of the league, to not have done uh, that substantial of a renovation. This move by Buffalo, if it gets approved and they start building this thing, which it looks like it's going to happen, well, now the Jags do kind of go on the clock, as Stewart said today, and the city of Jacksonville goes on the clock. They're going to be the last ones to have one of these major renovations. And as it sits right now, uh, the Jags are looking to do a renovation, not a stadium rebuild, which will save some of the dollars, but it's still going to be an astronomical price tag. Yeah, it's going to be obviously very expensive. But once again, I think you, you soften that burden a little bit if, you know, the city has faith in the team and if the city has a, has a winner to cheer for. Um, I think if that's the case, then that's the time to pull the trigger in terms of talking about renovations and upgrading the stadium. Yeah, and, and by the way, in all of this, you know, I, I mentioned Doug Peterson because we had a, our conversation with Doug, but a lot of questions today centered around Trevor Lawrence. And there's still a lot of hope inside the organization from Doug. But even around the NFL, you get the feeling that Trevor Lawrence, if given the right situation and the right weapons, is going to be the star that people thinks, uh, think he is or can be. Yeah. And so a lot of this is also on uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, let's finish off with a football thing, um, Austin. The running back room for the Jags, I haven't shared this note yet. You might have seen me tweet it. But Doug Peterson basically said today in April, which is coming up now in, in like five days, four days, that uh, when the off-season conditioning begins, they expect Travis Etienne to be a part of those workouts in some capacity. I'm not saying it's going to be every day, full 100%, but coming off the Liz Frank, they expect Etienne to be back, and then they don't really expect participation from James Robinson until training camp. So that was a little newsy out of today, but I will tell you this, he is very fond of the running back room. And when somebody asked him today, do you see ETN as a running back or a receiver? He kind of chuckled. He raised his eyebrows and was like, we'll see. Oh, uh, yeah, so you, yeah. you know he's got something in mind for ETN. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, this is a guy that, that could be the, the new gadget guy, right? And then those guys are a hot commodity right now. Just look at Debo Samuel. I mean, look at how San Fran has used him and what he's meant to that team. I think in some capacity, whether it's in the run game, jet sweeps outside in the slot, um, in the screen game, in the pass game, Travis Etienne can be that guy. But we can't put the cart before the horse. He has to get 100% healthy, and he has to feel confidence again, you know, in terms of, you know, cutting and running the route. So, yeah, hopefully he comes back 100%. If you can match it with James Robinson, more of the, you know, the Thunder and Lightning packages, I think you got a good thing there in Jacksonville. But I'm not going to be mad if they draft somebody else as well because I think in a Doug Peterson offense, which history has shown, the, the more the merrier in terms of the running back position. I think there's no doubt they're going to pick somebody up as we get closer to camp, but they're also going to draft somebody. I mean, they got 12 picks. Yeah. Draft a running back in there, no doubt. Uh, they will add a few more running backs. They might even add a couple more in the undrafted free agency stage. Uh, the, the other big news today, we talked about early part of the show, Brandon Linder retires. So the Jags now have a hole at center, potentially. Do they have the confidence in Tyler Shatley to be the starting center? Well, we'll see. The draft could tell that. Maybe another pickup in free agency if they need it. They certainly will need to add some depth at center because they really don't have any now behind 
Tyler Shatley. Hey, Sean Conn, right. stop talking to Tim Graham, all right? It's it's paid by subscription on this website. I can't even read the article because it's paid a dollar. <laughs> There's no one paying a dollar for anything. And it says, unlock rivaled sports coverage at The Athletic. Hey, I got Google. I got a cell phone. Thanks a lot. I will uh, share my password and username with you just so I can get a little nah. equity because I might need it. I ain't selling out, man. You can have it. I'm not paying for uh, anything. And, uh, okay. Except the SPM Plus. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's why I have the Milwaukee Bucks and Brewers all over my ESPN. Exciting times in Milwaukee, Brent. Get on board. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Coming up next, Action Sports Shacks, OT, Casey Kurtz, Brian, where I think they plan to read everybody's tweeting at me all hour long. Um, Probably not. Maybe more of the shotgun stuff. We'll see what else they have on deck. Action Sports Shacks, OT, coming up on ESPN 690. Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock, by the way at the baseball grounds for Florida State against Florida in baseball. Have a good night, everyone.